every company needs to have a VIP policy. And uh, in this episode, we are going to look how that looks like, why you need one. And I'm also going to share some personal experiences when our VIP policy has gone completely wrong or we kind of, uh, you know, didn't follow that policy and the consequences of those. So welcome to Avenue for Growth podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about strategies and tactics and tools, rituals for growing your expert-based company. My name is Tina Villian. I'm the founder of Avenue and uh, it's Monday again. It's definitely my favorite day. Well, I'm actually recording this on Friday. It's also my favorite day, but when you are listening to this, it's probably a Monday or maybe it's some other day. I absolutely love Monday. So Monday is when we have a new episode here at Avenue for Growth. Okay, so why do you need to have a VIP policy? First, let's talk about actually what is a VIP policy. So what is a VIP policy? Why do you need to have a VIP policy for your company? And I'm also going to share some of my experiences when uh, we did not follow our VIP policy, even though we do have one inside my company, when I didn't follow that and what the consequences were. And then of course, we're going to wrap up today's episode with talking about how you two can create your own VIP policy. So it's ready and you can start uh, following it and using it when you are, for example, doing your sales conversations and any kind of sales and marketing activities. So first, I wanted to open this, of course, the conversation with what is an VIP policy. Now, this is not exactly the same as having a client profile. So we talked about client profiles before we talked about how important it is. This is kind of a next step situation. You know, you have identified that you have a client base that there are people who want to buy that service or product that you're offering you know all about the demographics you know about the psychographics and all that so this is basically the first type of validation what you need to always go through when you're going to launch any kind of business any kind of product any kind of service any kind of new innovation to the market and of course when you're fine-tuning and redesigning your current business you must go through these kind of questions. But this is more about defining who you actually want to work with. Okay, so in our process at Avenue, we always first look at the industry validation. We look at that there is a customer, what they want, what they need, where they hang out, you know, all these important things that are very, very crucial for your marketing and sales to work. And of course, you do this before you start creating any kind of product or service. So you know that you are creating the right type of product or service for that audience. There's more to this. We also want to define the VIP policy that is an internal policy for your company, our company, that says who do we actually want to work with out of this demographics of the people and companies and organizations that could be our potential clients. So this is not so much about your client profile as identifying that they exist, that what they want. This is more about your personal policy, who gets to walk through your doors or your office or who gets to even be involved in your life, involved in your business, becoming your customer and client or maybe a supplier, maybe a partner, any kind of uh, person of, uh, of importance in your life. 
life. So there are many, many reasons why you need to have a VIP policy. And this is something that if you are a beginner, maybe you're not thinking about this. Maybe you're thinking like, well, whoever pays me, I'm going to take that client and I'm going to run with that, get some cash flow into my company. But once you start growing, you will notice that there are certain companies and persons that you just don't want to deal with. And this is very, very personal to you as it is personal to us here and me who we want to work with, what kind of people. So I wanted to go through some examples here today just so that you can you know, start thinking about what kind of VIP policy I could create for my company, what makes sense for your business. So why do you need to have this policy? So the first thing is that uh, if you get wrong clients into your life, they will make you and your life miserable. They will just make you your brain drain, kill your creativity, kill the fun and you will feel miserable. And what's wrong for you, what type of behavior is wrong for you or right for you is of course very individual. This is why these VIP policies are very individual. So even if you are at the very, very beginning of your company, I think it's very important that you start thinking about and feel in when you're working with your clients, does this person or this company, but it's usually the people, does it make me happy? You know, does, it, does this person make me happy? And do I enjoy working with this kind of person? with this kind of companies, with this kind of uh, companies at these levels and so on. So whatever fits your description of your VIP clients. But uh, the reality is that we cannot serve everybody and we won't, we do not want to serve everybody. So we want to be very careful and select those clients who make us happy, who make our work very easy. Okay, there are clients who make our work and it doesn't matter how good you are at your thing. It doesn't matter how many years of experiences you have, some clients will make your life really miserable and some others are amazing to work with. This is why we only want to only work with the amazing ones. But of course, we're going to make these mistakes before we really can fine tune the identification and make decisions about who gets to come in and who is better off going somewhere else. Okay, I always say, you know, I have no problems in sending the people who I don't want to work with go and bug my competitors. I can absolutely refer to any of the competitors that I think that, you know, they could take care of this clients. You know, this is too much trouble. I don't want it. I'm I'm happy to, to send it to somewhere else. Okay. Wrong clients will say bad things about you too, because if you get a wrong client into your doors and they are not happy, your personalities and the ways you work, it's just not working at all. They will also say bad things about you. They will go out there. They are miserable too. And they're not happy with the level of service. They're not happy with your company. So of course, this is not a good match and this is not good publicity later on either. So they will say those things. They might write things about you, you know, reviews and so on. So you do not want to have this kind of experiences and this kind of clients into your life. Wrong clients will also poison the other clients you work with. If you, for example, work in groups, let's say you are a coach and you run coaching groups and there is one client that is 
making everybody else's life miserable, then that is not good for your other clients either. So you have to secure the place for your other clients, the ones that you actually want to work with, that they feel that the whole group or the whole you know place, if you, for example, run retreats or host trainings or have any kind of group activities, that they are secured from this person who is needy, greedy, and doesn't get along with anybody. Okay, wrong type of clients also will lower your delivery quality. If they are that kind of people who are needing a lot and you can't deliver that because that is not, for example, inside of your scope, that is not the way you usually work with your clients and they want to have more, they want to change your times. Let's say, for example, you have a very specific schedule when you can work with your clients. For example, in my company, we work with clients on Tuesdays and Thursdays and sometimes even on Wednesdays and I do decide sometimes to have calls with our private clients on, for example, Friday mornings as well. But that is my decision. This is something that I can offer based on my own calendar, based on that client. But we usually work between Tuesdays to Thursdays. And this is actually thanks to James Framco, who has introduced me of this way of uh, blocking the times and the the days when I work with my clients. Now, uh, if there is a client who demands that you would be available, for example, at night. And by the way, but night times, I'm not available. I have a family. I have a life. I want to hang out with my kids, with my husband. We go to a lot of uh, trainings with the kids and we have a yoga practice with my husband and things. So I'm not available at nighttime activities unless, of course, I decide that we're going to have some kind of a nighttime activity, which we also do, given that we sometimes have clients that are from different uh, time zones. I'm in a European time zone in Sweden. So uh, of course we can accommodate those needs as well, but it has to come from us, okay? It has to come from us. But if there is somebody who says like, you need to be answering my calls uh, at night times, or you need to be available during the weekends. And, you know, I demand you to send me a response ticket uh, within two hours. And that's just not part of our policy. That is not the part of the agreement that we we make with the clients. However, of course, there's always somebody who tries to change the way we run business or change the way how you run business because they think that they have the right to do so, okay? So the wrong clients, they will also poison your the whole systems, how you run your company destroy the systems and in this way also bring down the quality and just make your life very, very miserable. This is the reason why so many service providers are so stressed about the client cases. If they get in the wrong customers and clients and they know that oh, I just signed up for six months of uh, less pleasurable experience and they know this in advance, it is not a good situation. Also, um, it's going to give you bad publicity because if you are working with the wrong type of clients and they have a reputation, maybe they are in some kind of industry which you do not really want to support. I'm going to give you an example. So one of my best friends uh, was working as a consultant, not in her own company, but she was working as a consultant, as a management consultant, organizational consultant. 
And she got assignment in an industry which was very much against her own values, okay? So she got an assignment in a company Although it was a short assignment, but it was still assignment that was a couple of months and that uh, the whole industry was something that she really felt that is not good for. It wasn't aligned with her values. So and this is very, very important now if you are a service provider in your own company. So, for example, let's say that you absolutely do not uh, agree, for example, with the gaming industry and you get a client and they could pay you well and they could be nice to you know work with. But the gaming industry is something that is just against your values. It's not going to be a good publicity for you if you position your company as a company who typically doesn't appreciate, for example, gaming industry. I'm just going to have that as an example. And of course, there are many things that will raise the you know eyebrows of the other peoples. And, and I'm just talking about the bad publicity and the bad branding for your company if you would choose to have a company as a client or a person as a client that doesn't fit into your VIP policy. Now, the last reason why you want to have a VIP policy is is that this is an amazing decision-making tool for you. Okay, entrepreneurs, business leaders, we make so many decisions every day. Okay, there are multiple tough decisions and then we have all the easy decisions. And uh, sometimes we need to be very quick to understand when to say yes and when to say no and more often when to say no. When you have a, a VIP policy that you have created before you actually are in this situation, okay, so this is something that you have created for your company, even if it's only you inside of your company, you can always look at this. When you get, for example, questions from persons in some industry, some kind of a specific business model, some company that you just do not appreciate, you don't want to have anything to do with them. You can look at your list of your policies and then you can decide very quickly, you know what, this is not for us, we are not the right company for you. And in this ways you get very easily rid of this person. Sometimes, not always. So let's talk about these different kind of examples. Now, this is going to be a little personal. This is actually something I've never talked about before. I'm going to talk about it now. Um, for many years ago, I was running a different business, not Avenue. I had a design business. We had a pretty successful interior design decoration business. So we had cushion covers and blankets and, and baby blankets and kitchen textiles and all kinds of beautiful things for the home. And we were selling in many, many countries, mostly in Europe, a little bit outside as well, but mostly in Europe. And uh, we also had an e-commerce. So when I say that we were selling in many countries, we had partners in many countries and uh, retail stores and uh, and. Uh, agents and, and teams of salespeople who were selling our products to stores. So it was a business to business type of setup. We also had an e-commerce store, of course, and that was a very international, but that wasn't our main focus. We were mainly focusing on uh, having these uh, distribution channels, uh, partners, um, retail buyers and uh, other professionals who were our partners and sold our products to their customers and clients. Now, this was my first business and it was my the business that I thought would be 
been my forever business. Now, I went from uh, IT consulting, management consulting, working in huge corporations. I went to to start a design business, a product-based business. So (laughs) to be very honest, that was my mistake number one. I went into a business that I had no idea how it worked. I had no previous connections. I had absolutely zero uh, of anything and no no leveraged in any ways. And uh, but I thought that was my passion. I wanted to get started in, in design. I was a little fed up with IT. I just didn't want to continue with that. And also I wanted to have my own business. I also was very fed up for you know working for somebody else. So I made the decision that I'm going to to start building my own company and that was the design company and uh, I did that for some while and then we had babies at the same time so they were very rocky years so there were a lot of things happening we built houses and moved a lot and we got two beautiful babies and uh, everybody who has had small kids and babies knows what kind of years those are the hormones <laughs> the nights that are not nights and you're awake all the time with somebody puking somewhere and you know all that I can't even remember that my cause you know my little one my bit my little little baby is turning six years today when I'm recording this on Friday so we're gonna celebrate his six years birthday so we don't have any babies anymore we don't have any baby butts to wipe and so on so which is <laughs> fabulous but anyway so those years were quite uh, dizzy I would say so during these years I I got approached by a person a woman who was in a similar type of industry Uh, and we were not competitors but we were uh, frequently kind of in the same circles and also um, exhibiting for example at the same fairs we had the same customers because this person was also selling her product which was a kind of a good be a good match with our products a good combination and uh, I got approached by this person and now this is years ago so I don't remember all the details and I'm not going to go into all the details either but um, anyway so we started talking about that maybe we should put our businesses together maybe we should just create a partnership go into business together and um I was uh, kind of seeing that this person would have the uh, the strengths that I didn't have and uh, I was pretty delusional at that time what my strengths actually were. So if you have been, you know, if if you heard me anytime talking about when I realized that I'm actually great at sales, I love sales. <laughs> you know, this was before I, I understood this. Okay, so this was when I thought that I'm the creator and I need to have a, somebody who is great at sales. So that was kind of my reason for saying yes to this potential cooperation. And uh, whatever her you know, reasons were, it's not important right now, but I guess that she wanted to have a team, you know, she wanted to have a plus our products, our brand was very, very popular. And I understand it was a kind of a good catch for her. Okay, anyway, my point wasn't to go into the details so much about this, but I wanted to just emphasize this. It turned out quite quickly, but not quickly enough, that this person and me were definitely not a match personally on a personal level and not in any levels. Okay, And uh, also because I was going through such um, 
you know, big things with babies. And it was just like a lot of things that wasn't, I wasn't really clear in my head. I wasn't making decisions like I used to do when I was in corporate. I wasn't making smart decisions. I was kind of uh, a little bit all over the place and, and I had no idea. And I was just very desperate to make everything work and whatever that everything was, I can't even remember that. So these years and very, very poorly planned, very bad in business generally. And um, I realized and I started experiencing so much anxiety by just having any kind of communication with this person. And also, to be very honest, this person was just a horrible person. <laughs> so she she made me for, I mean, she made me cry and uh, nobody makes me cry. I mean, my kids can make me cry. My husband can make me cry, but that's it. Okay. And she made me cry. She made me doubt myself, my abilities. And I'm a smart cookie. I've always been very, very high, successful and smart woman. So so I was, it was, of course, my own responsibility and my own fault because I let this person first come into my life and then slowly but very steadily destroy my confidence, destroy my business, destroy everything I had built. So uh, it took some months and it almost took a year until I realized that I just need to tell this person to, you know, get off my case. And uh, that was very the whole situation now it's long gone this was like very very yesterday's news but it's actually first time i'm talking about this and sharing this but here's the thing a couple of things happened i lost like my foot on the ground for a longer time and that was not a good thing i always thought you know people who say like uh, they are heading the wall they're heading the brick wall or however the the saying is in english i always thought like we well, just move the wall, wall you know it's just like how hard can it be just move the wall a little bit if you feel like you're heading the wall and you know it's just like losing your shit and in this case i started feeling both physical and emotional uh, like symptoms of really losing it. So, of course, uh, at the very end of this period before I told her to just, you know, disappear and I didn't want to have anything to do with this person, I still don't, I still don't want to. Um, we just got to this point that I was not feeling good at all. So to summarize that kind of experience, it was um, mentally horrible for me. I lost a ton of confidence, ton of uh, trusting myself in making decisions. I lost a ton in this ways. Uh, financially, I lost so much money. You can't even imagine how much money I lost in this situation. I also lost our biggest supplier because the manufacturing company that we had worked with for years, we trusted this manufacturing company. They're going to provide us products for years to come. They told me that as long as you work with this person, they will not provide any products to us anymore. So all of a sudden we don't have a manufacturing company anymore. And if you are in manufacturing, that's kind of a big trouble, you know. Of course, we did have others, but we had a very, very long established cooperation with this particular supplier, a printing company and sewing company. So we did not want to lose that. It takes time to establish these relationships, particularly when they are somewhere else. And this particular company was in India. So, you know, we've been building the relationship for years and then in comes this person I let in this person and uh, everything just is you know disappears and and it's just you know this 
destroyed because it's so wrong person into my life, my business. That is a super, super bad situation. Also, but we also lost one of our main um, partners. This was also a company that we had been working together with for a long time. And now they said to me that, you know what, we cannot work with this, your new partner. And we just, we're not, we won't do that. So as long as you have this person in your life, in your business, we are not going to do any business together with you anymore. So it was just a horrible situation. So again, a reminder, if it feels a little wonky, if somebody, client, partner, uh, supplier, whatever you're looking at, if it doesn't feel right, then there is a, probably a reason why it's not right. And if you have your VIP policy right, which we're going to talk about in a minute, how you create your VIP policy, then uh, that paper or that decision-making tool will give you all the direction in making this decision, whether saying yes to this person or no to this person. I'm going to give you another example from a client relationship, okay? So not long ago, I was approached by actually... Let's go back a little bit because it was actually quite a long time ago. I was approached by a woman and uh, she had been uh, consuming our marketing materials and reading, for example, my emails and so on. And this person, she approached me through uh, some channels, Facebook or somewhere, and uh, asked if we could have a conversation. And uh, she sent me a message like, hi, I like your stuff, and this is what I do. Can I call you? And, uh, you know, calling me is not possible just like that. If you want to get in touch with me, if you would like to, for example, apply for a consultation, if you would like to come and work with us inside my company, you have to go through our process for that. Just by asking, you know, I'm going to call you now. You can't do that. I'm not going to take your call. I'm not going to answer that call. Uh, I don't answer any calls during the days of if it's not, for example, from uh, daycare, my husband, my friends or somebody who I know it is. If I don't recognize the number, I'm just not going to answer it. So if it's important, they will either leave me a message or they will send me email and so on. So it's just not possible to call me. Why? Because I'm busy. You know, I'm I'm booked. I have a lot of things. I'm, I plan my days. So I'm not just going to answer to random calls, regardless if it's a customer who would like to work with us or somebody who would like to sell something to us which is of course happens all the time anyway so this person she said to me like can we talk now and I said no no we can't talk now but uh, if you are interested in talking about the program and the possibility to work together please go here fill out some information about you apply for a call we put it into our calendar my calendar I will send you the link you can book yourself in and then we can talk probably next week and then she's like no I need to call you now and I said no, sorry, I'm not available. And then she also said to me, she started sending me um, information about her company. And she is, was then, and still is, in an industry which I do not want to have anything to do with. It's not a gaming industry, okay? I don't mind gaming industry. That's not a bad industry for me, even though I do not support gaming industry itself so much. I don't game myself, but I'm sure we have some, I don't know what they're called, PlayStation stuff. Um, kids like it, but anyway, so I don't I don't game. Uh, and But I don't, that, it's not a gaming industry anyway. Uh, but this was uh, a person who worked in multi-level marketing type of industry. And for me personally, if you are a multi-level marketing person, you run multi-level MLM business selling some oils or or some creams or whatever. If you can make it work and, uh, you know, it, that makes you a good, happy life, 
that's great, do that, but we don't work with you. We're not going to work with you. Um, we do not work with multi-level marketers. We do not work with uh, with sellers. Maybe if you have this kind of company, would like to build a company, become actually the uh, corporation who is going to distribute your products through different kind of salespeople, yeah, then we could work with you. But we do not work with individual MLM salespeople. And this was exactly what this person was. So my kind of my VIP policy was all already showing the door and this is one of the reasons why I wasn't even very excited about you know getting her into a call with me and so on so VIP policy said this is not my type of client I do not want to have anything to do with this type of business models this type of business and uh, it's just not worth my time to have any kind of call so obviously I'm not going to jump on a call with this person then maybe one year later this person kept persisting and uh, she got through one of my filters which is possible because some of her services are something that you need to apply for we talk we sit down we make sure that we can help you I will look this is a person you are a person that we can do your best work with and if yes then I tell you that if not then I will tell you that too and saying sorry we cannot help you for some reason but we also have programs where you do not need to apply you can just join directly on website and uh, those programs are usually programs where we do not have one-on-one -on -one consulting and uh, coaching sessions so this person came through that and then when she was in one of my workshops and uh, she sent me email again saying that, you know, I have another type of business model now and she wanted to have, you know, talk about the potential of having a partnership together with my company. And since we have a certification program for business coaches, so then I was open for this conversation because I thought, well, maybe, maybe it would make sense to have a conversation anyway. And uh, also the person was nice. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a nice person so we had a conversation and uh, she told me a little bit more about her background she's been a CEO in a company for years so I felt like okay maybe maybe my first impression for one year or so before was a little wrong maybe this person is something that somebody we would actually have in a program so we started having this conversation and she said okay just let's start working together and I said yes now this was a bad decision because we started working together we have a process how we work with our clients we go through some specific situations and steps and particularly at the beginning because for us it's very important to know that we can help this person so we start with uh, intensive workshops together we start you know figuring out what they need help with and then then we can point out this is where you are now this is the first thing we need to start looking at and working on and I had a good idea what kind of help she needed so we came to the conclusion that you know let's move on with this one and then she became this person who started demanding a lot of things so first thing she started talking about was this multi-level marketing thing again and I said listen this is not what we agreed on this is not the type of uh, customer or the type of business model that I want to help you with. And uh, this is not what we agreed. Okay. And then she was just talking on and on about it. And we had a next call and next call. And she, you know, was just like, okay. And started demanding me that in order for me to be her coach and help her to implement in this case, it was a marketing system and sales system that would position her as a leading expert in her industry in 
niche, which was uh, health and wellness. So she said, yes, the only way we can continue doing this is by you joining my multi-level marketing team. So I would become some multi-level marketer salesperson or something like that. I don't even know what it's called. And excuse me for all those who think it's a great idea. I don't want to know. I do not want to learn more. It's just not for me. Okay. It's not my thing. Okay. So I don't want to get sucked into some multi-level marketing stuff. And there I was with this person. I've already told her no for like one year ago, one and a half years ago. And then she came back to my life. I kind of was there all along. And then I said yes to her. I should have said no. My gut feeling said no. My VIP policy said no. Everything said no. And yet I said yes. And we ended up working together. And yes, we did have an agreement and it was in writing. Yes. And uh, then she said, okay, started demanding these things like, okay, you need to become this MLM seller. Uh, You need to join my team. You need to buy this package or whatever. And I said, no, that is not what we agreed. And this is exactly what we agreed. And then again, we also had it on paper. I said, this is what we agreed. This is what we do. This is what we do second. And then she wrote back to me. Okay, okay, I understand again. And then one week later, again, she started. So if you're not going to join this team, I can't work with you and then luckily my gut feeling said like oh let's just you know let's just dump this person and I told her like listen I don't want to have anything to do with you Uh, I'm gonna send you the bill for this time we've been working together and then I'm going to just remove you from the program I do not want to have you there so let's just do this and then I did do send her the invoice of course she denied it and uh, I didn't bother to go and hunt her for that and that was just it so financially not big loss but I knew my gut feeling told me this is trouble. This person is trouble. Don't go there. My gut feeling said with this previous partner situation that she was really, really trouble. Don't go there. Every Actually, my friend said the same thing as well because they knew this, the person that I was having a partnership conversations with. So they knew it's like, don't. This, she's horrible. She's not sane person. You do not want to have anything to do with this person. And yet I was going there like, I need this for some reason. Yes, we did. We can make it work and stuff. And it did it. And this client, it just didn't work. So VIP policies can't always save us from making stupid decisions. But if we don't have a VIP policy and we are not listening to the gut feelings and we are not okay with saying no to people, even if we start working together with them, even if we are not okay to cancel that commitment and say, listen, this is not working. You're not the right person for me. I'm not the right person for you. We should not work together. Then we are in big trouble. So create a VIP policy for your company so you can have this decision making tool for you when you are in a situation that something feels a little wonky and you're not quite sure run through your VIP policy and be very very clear very honest to yourself saying is this the right for me or should I just leave it okay and by the way I just want to tell you this that of all the people that I've talked to of all the clients that we work with today everybody of them that we currently have in our programs that I work with we 
really, really enjoy working with them because we have this strong VIP policy. This type of uh, thinking and creating a VIP policy, it's not that you're arrogant person who is saying that you're better than everybody else. It's not that. It's just about securing and guarding your time, your well-being, your company, your team members' well-being, the others who are involved in your company so that they are also feeling good about the business and can actually do the best work ever. These other people, they could be perfect partners or perfect clients for somebody else. But if it doesn't fit into your values, if it doesn't fit into your policies, please tell them to go somewhere else. Don't start working with a person or company who is just not going to fit into your VIP policy. So why don't we create a VIP policy? There are a couple of things that you want to think about when you're creating your VIP policy. So the uh, first question I would ask is, does this person give you energy? Do you feel energized? Do you feel that, oh, this is fun? You know, this is something that you enjoy. You enjoy having a conversation. It's it's uh, innovative. It's uh, dynamic. You have good chemistry. Just like when you're dating, like, does it feel good to go on a date with a new person and the date is boring or, you know, just, just doesn't work? You would rather leave than book another date, right? So same way, just have your, uh, you know, listen to your own gut feeling and thinking, do I get energy? Do I get excited? You know, this person business model or the needs and personality and what they do does it excite me if doesn't okay maybe you should not think about working with this person then listen to the values the ethics and the moral moral standards that they have and uh, particularly for example if it's a company in some kind of industry that you don't quite feel that it fits your own values then maybe you should not start working with them. So for example, when you are creating this VIP policy, you have to look into your own values. What is important for you? What kind of values your company has? How do you want to be perceived by other people with your values, the personality, the ethical standards, the moral standards? And does this client's standards fit with your standards how much money do they want to invest so if you are a coach or consultant and i guess you are really good at what you do okay you want to attract the right people into your business and the right people are the ones who want to pay you money to get the results that you provide for them so if this is a person who doesn't appreciate your price tag then it's not the right person for you there will be others If you're good at what you do, there will be people who want to invest in your services. There are always other people who are willing to invest in themselves to get the results that you provide. Okay, I think it's always fascinating how people say that, you know, I'm in an industry where people don't have any money. uh, And this is a little bit more of a demographic issue. But, um, you know, if you are serving clients who don't have any money and they don't want to pay you, what are you doing in that industry? You need to go as a business owner. It's your responsibility to go where the money is. So um, how much money do they want to invest? Is that aligned with the level of investment it is required to work with you? Also, how self-going they need to be. So for example, if you are a coach, I know that you most probably want to have people who are pretty self-going so that you don't have to be a a parent to them, okay? 
I love working with people who come to each session and they are prepared. They've done a lot of stuff. They, you know, test everything that we said we would test. You know, they've done it and they are ready and they are hungry and they want more and next thing and they think it's really cool. So they are moving forward. There are a lot of other people who you need to drag and push and really, really try to get them anywhere. And this is like, can't do, I won't do I'm not moving at all. You don't want to work with those kind of people, particularly if you're going to try to get some results for them, which you do if you are a coach and a consultant. Unless, you, of course, you are doing everything for them. If you are in done for your services, maybe it doesn't matter so much if they don't need to do anything. But if you are coaching somebody or you are providing any kind of done with your services, you want them to do their part. You don't want to drag them. You want them to be ready and, you know, feel energized and feel really excited about the job and willing to do the job. So how self-going are they? How resourceful they must be so that you feel good about working with them? I love when people have solutions to problems. <laughs> you know, it's not, it is my job to lift a lot of problems. It's my job to question a lot of decisions. But it's not my job to come with every little answer to all different kind of problems for our clients. I want them to come to the conclusion. I want them to know that, okay, this would be a potential solution one, solution two, solution three. And then we can together decide which one of those solutions would be the best ones for that. So they must be resourceful. They cannot be the ones who are dragging along. It's like, I don't know what to do. That is completely wrong question. Whoever comes to us and says, you know, I, don't, I have no idea what to do next. I don't know where to go next. It makes me wonder, hang on, have you heard anything I've said, you know, during my any of calls? Have you followed any of the frameworks, any of the tools, any of the systems that we have created? P.S. We create very, very good systems and processes and frameworks for our clients to follow so they can get to their results. So how self-going they are, how resourceful they are or are not. And then of course, personality. Do you enjoy working with this person? Do If you feel when you meet the person, somehow it's just like, mm, I'm not sure then have a VIP policy saying that if my gut feeling is giving me yellow sign, don't go there. If I'm getting a green sign, go there. If I'm getting a red sign, then, you know, run, of course. But if you're getting kind of a yellow sign as well, your VIP policy should state if yellow sign pops up here, you know, I mean, your gut feeling goes a little kind of, I'm not sure, maybe, yeah. Then your VIP policy says, then it's a no, okay? You know, people talk a lot, particularly in sales conversations, people said that, you know, the, the, uh, the customer needs to like you as a company. You know, no like and trust are very important when you are making any kind of business. Well, I actually do not agree 100% that uh, the likability factor is that's important because we all know that, you know, if somebody's going to buy something and you have that thing that they want, and even though they don't necessarily like you very much, 
they buy it still because they have the biggest need and you're the only one who can provide that. When I was working in corporate and we were serving banks here in Sweden and Finland and uh, in the Northern Europe, we never thought, I never thought that I hope these bank people, you know, the people who are like bank directors or um, product managers or the, you know, bank bosses, I hope they like me when I come and present the solutions that we have for them. I never spend any time on thinking, I hope they like me. The only thing we were worried about, whether we actually can solve the problem in the ways that they want and also ways that we want and we work with. And of course, if we can agree on the price as well, then we have a deal. So uh, the likability factor, it's not that important. But of course, it's very important for some people and depending a little bit on what kind of business you are in. But still, for you to like this person, if you are going to be her coach, for you to like this person, if you're going to get any kind of a partnerships to going on with this person, or if this is going to be a supplier, can you trust them? Do you like them and, and feel that it's a good match to work together? Spend some time on listening to your gut feeling and making decisions based on that. Okay, so thank you so much for today's episode. I'm happy you came here. I am sure that not everybody will like the things that I said here. I'm okay with that too. You know, I do have strong opinions and that is one of my things. That's how I am. And I like other people who also have strong opinions. And these kind of clients work really well with me. If you need my help to identify your VIP policy and really understanding what kind of decisions you can make based on this VIP policy. And if it is so that today you're getting all kinds of clients into through your doors and you don't want to work with them, you want to level up your business, come and talk to me. We might be a good match, you know. There is a good chance that we actually really, really enjoy working together and our methodologies are perfectly suitable for your needs and we actually will be able to help you. Who knows, maybe it's a good idea to book a call with me and uh, you know, just tell me something about your business and let's have a talk and I will definitely tell you if we can help you or not. So Tina Villain here, thank you so much for tuning in here today. I appreciate so much. We've had great feedback from you guys. Uh, this podcast is very new. I just started here during the Christmas holiday. So we're still kind of figuring out how we want to have it. And uh, that's all. It's Friday. I'm off. You're listening to this on Monday. So go back to work. And uh, I wish you a wonderful day. See you and talk to you soon.